Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And this is, believe it or not, the first ever playoff edition of this podcast. We are uh, going to be uh, recapping everything that happened in in Game 1, but also looking ahead to Game 2. Because as you've uh, woken up this morning on a fine Thursday, flipped on this podcast, hopefully you've turned your attention to tonight's huge Game two matchup at Madison Square Garden between the Pittsburgh Penguins and, and New York Rangers. Rangers obviously down 0-1 in the series after a heartbreaking triple overtime loss. Uh, Dave and Becky, just to welcome you in, how are you guys feeling after what was a very, uh, in some ways, fitting return to the, the excruciating experience that is playoff hockey? Honestly curious why I missed it in the first place. <laughs> but right. how are you feeling, Rob? You were there. I mean, it was a hell of an experience, and and um, I want to save some of the uh, you know color and detail of what Madison Square Garden was like. We have, I think, we've got a fan question that kind of asks that. But no, look, I'm tired. My throat hurts. Uh, at times, watching a triple overtime game live makes you delirious. I was there with my brother, and we kept turning to each other and just saying, like, "How is this happening? How is this still going on?" It's actually much more pronounced to live how tired the players are. You know, especially compared to the way that game started, particularly by the Rangers, the amount of jump and energy they had. But, you know, you get into the middle of the second overtime and, and, and the end of the second overtime, and these guys are just so gassed, and it's so evident when you're watching it live. So um, amazing experience to be there. Well, I'll save, you know, the atmosphere stuff for uh, the fan question later on. But, uh, you know, obviously fun to be back. Just wish the uh, the puck would have bounced their way in, in, in one of the overtimes. The puck did bounce their way with three minutes to go in the third period. Yeah. Like, yeah. They Isn't won that the cute fucking that Pittsburgh game. also scored four goals? <laughs> so let's, aside I was, from I was that, interested to see. Uh, aside from that, uh, I am wondering if my wife regrets marrying me now because, you know, she... We started dating right as the Rangers were falling out of the playoffs. Only one playoff run, and then now she's getting into it again. And we had to close the door to the baby's room. I scared the dog a couple of times. Um, she had to turn the TV up on her side a little bit louder so that she could hear over me being me watching the games. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't get like this during the regular season because it's the regular season. And, you know, by the time November hit, the playoffs were basically decided already. So it was, not, it was more how or less How are you not banished hockey. to the basement? I'm curious. Like, how, how did that not happen? Um, because the living room is the one with the 85-inch TV. So that's just her being kind then. More or less, yeah. And I that was also the first game. So I am waiting to see what happens should the Rangers go to like a 10th game, a 15th game and things like that. It is she watching with you, Dave? To be clear, is she watching something else? Oh, no. She was downstairs watching. Um, I think first it was um, Flight Attendant. The, what's the Kaylee Cuoco show? Oh, oh yeah. Good show. I need Very to watch season two. Yeah, so she was watching that. She watched like five episodes during the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then um, she was pumping and she was watching something that wasn't in English and it wasn't in Russian. Ah. So uh, my wife's Russian for the people listening. So they, I was going to say this might be confusing. Yeah, that might be. Yeah. So clarification. And it wasn't in Russian. So I don't know what the hell it was, but she was watching it. And that was in the third overtime. And then she went upstairs, and the minute she went upstairs, the Penguins scored in triple overtime, and I was irrationally angry at the game and also at her for leaving where she was because the loss is on her now. Yeah, yes. No, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was going to be like, so you're outing her as the person who basically caused this to happen because in my head I'm like, interesting, interesting yeah, time she to can, move. She can never go upstairs again is the point. More yeah, or less, yeah. Which is why now she's banished to the basement for the playoffs. Okay. I like this. We're coming full circle. Yeah. We're getting somewhere, guys. 
so I was curious to see where our where we would start, right? So you know, just for a little uh, you know knowledge for the the folks at home. Sometimes these shows are structured. We know what we're going to talk about. Sometimes we wing it. This is one of those instances where we're winging it. So I was wondering if we would start with the disallowed goal or what a disaster the second period was. But Dave, you brought up the disallowed goal first, and I'm actually happy that you did because let me start by first uh, explaining my feeling uh, as it as it was on Tuesday evening when it happened and then in the aftermath and then where I got to on Wednesday, which is today as we record this. On Tuesday, I was very quick to get over it. And I, I almost felt like I had the mentality of the players, right? Who, look, if you're in the game and a call goes against you, if you dwell on the call, it's just going to make matters worse. So you have to move on. And I think Ryan Strom said at postgame, and I tend to agree, it's a three-overtime game. There's lots of little plays that could go either way that could decide a game like that. But then I woke up on Wednesday, and I read some of the discourse, and I watched the, the, the clip again and again and again. And it's such a bad fucking call. I cannot even put it into words. So I will just let you guys take it from there. Becky, I'm deferring to you for this. I don't have a rational thought here. I It's just full rage. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> Did anyone else just have like flashbacks to 2014? Yes. Okay. Oh, oh, you mean where somebody sat on Hank and took a dump on him and there was no penalty call? <laughs> but that's, so yes, this is that. my thing. Like, I I feel like there's a lot of rules that are easy to, so, okay, so if I'm watching, like, football, I'm like, I don't fucking have a clue what I'm looking at. It's And I don't really care to, like, understand what the rules are. So, but in hockey, I'm like, I can understand most of the rules. Like, oh, a hooking call is quite literally like you're hooking someone with your side. It's it's like very, they're very straightforward. Are you hooking somebody I, with your stick? <laughs> Dave, Dave. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a weird mood. Go to the basement, Dave, Jesus. Um, so I, I could understand that. Um, I Here's the thing. I don't even think that the NHL knows what goalie interference is. And I think that when the source... And the rule, um, like the 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 refs, like the the judge, you know, is making that kind of call. It's probably helpful to understand your own rule, and they just don't. So when I first saw it, I was like, uh, honestly, I was like surprised, just not knowing, really not ever taking the time and really fully understanding goaltender interference because I kind of understand that no one knows what the fuck it is. So at first, I was like, oh, like I'm surprised that was a goal because it was like there was no problem the ref was like yep goal like celebration all good to go and then they challenged it and then they were talking about the rule and then when I understood what the rule is I was like or what I understood what the interpretation of the rule was that um msg shared with me and then what google.com shared with me I was like okay that that wasn't goaltender interference and I was like, but Joe Micheletti said this will definitely be an allowed goal, so it's definitely going to be disallowed. <laughs> and then it was disallowed. <laughs> right. So I think I, I list like it. It pissed me off a lot, but it also wasn't really surprising to me that it would be disallowed. Not because it should have been, just because it's the fucking Penguins, and that's what it is. Like, why did Truba get called for a hold that was like basically like? me trying to like catch a bubble with like a bubble wand like I'm thinking about <laughs> practical terms that probably are not very practical to most of the listeners and something so gentle that was called while you're on a power play when you've called literally no other fucking that you call one penalty on the penguins and the Rangers score on it and so like oh guess we can't do it anymore so I just that was my way of saying fuck the refs so from so, a, I'm gonna go into a technical standpoint because yeah, if I go you, into an emotional standpoint, I'm going to be ranting for an hour and a half, and somebody's going to have to, like, Becky and Rob are going to drive here from Jersey and kill me. So. <laughs> That's illegal. It depends. It's only illegal if you're caught. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> technical, right. So, Kako is coming to the net, and he's cutting the net, and he's cutting across. It was DeSmith at the time. And obviously Dumoulin pushes him in. And when Dumoulin 
makes the initial push. Kako is outside of the blue paint. And he's looking to tuck the puck around to Smith. Obvious, and if you look at his skates, they're not pointed at the net. They're pointed towards the boards. So he's trying yep. to avoid to Smith. That's a big thing. His skates are pointed towards the boards. And they were pointed towards the boards from at least one or two strides prior. Dumoulin pushes him, and there's contact. But it's not Kako that takes DeSmith out of the net. It's Dumoulin. If you yep. watch that play, Kako's there, but Dumoulin is just kind of sliding with both of them. And he pushes DeSmith out of the net. And Kako made one of the best passes I've seen ever. And that was completely wasted. He made a blind backhand pass from his stomach to Heedle. So Kako, by following through with that play and not looking at the ref, is knowing he got pushed and he's keeping the play alive. That is a goal. The Penguins announcers knew it was a goal. The Rangers announcers knew it was a goal. The only people that didn't know it was a goal were... Toronto, the refs on the ice, and for some unknown fucking reason, Mark Messier and Chris Chelios. Uh, well, I mean, even like Henrik, God love him, I love him to pieces, was like very like non-committal to that because he's, he's a goalie. He's a goalie. I know, so but Valley. so so is Valley, and Valley was like Hank. That's a goal ten times out of ten, and he's like, I know. Like, <laughs> you don't have to like it. Maybe then tell your fucking you know defenseman not to push people into you. Because now, what is like, what is to stop this from happening every single time? Every single time. Why don't you just like fucking bench your, your guys in front of your own goalie? And if you see someone coming, just shove them into the goalie. All right. Well, it's goalie interference. Sorry. Yeah. I think there's a few things too that just make the fact that it was overturned really hard to stomach. One is the fact that it's called a goal on the ice. And, uh, you know, in tandem with that, DeSmith nor Dumoulin argue the call. Normally, think about how many times you've watched a hockey game, regular season playoffs, whenever there is even minor contact with the goalie, the goalie will frantically sprint and start yelling in the referee's face if he feels he's been interfered with. DeSmith knew that Kako didn't hit him. He knew that the collision was not only initiated by Dumoulin, but followed through by Dumoulin. I mean, that's the point that 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 uh, became so apparent to me that, and you, you know, you made it, Dave, just just before. Dumoulin like literally cross bodies to Smith. The reason to Smith ends up nine feet out of the net is because Dumoulin hit into him, and you know, Dumoulin was off his skates at that point. He had dove to try and desperately break up the play. Kako did everything right. Heedle did everything right, and they should have been rewarded with you know the biggest goal of their lives, and it was taken away from them. And that's well, and a really yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm, 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 I'm good. I was gonna say. I just, I wonder if this is like, and this is pure speculation, pure speculation. I have not read anything, but DeSmith Smith then goes out right in the second overtime, third overtime. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember. Yeah. And right in the second overtime. And everyone's like, oh, he's got the shits. Like, whatever, fine. He's cramping <laughs> up. Okay, whatever, fine. But listen, the runs are not a joke. It's, you know. Listen, he was whatever. limping, so he didn't have the shits. He had but the that's shits. My, that was past tense. That's, that's, <laughs> but this is my question. Did, like, that somehow hurt him? Like, did Dumoulin Probably. wind up hurting his own goal? Oh, you know, that's a good And now point. they have fucking Louis Domingue starting, you know, game two, which, like, if we, I swear to God, if we don't put at least three on them, like, I'm going to. Can we focus? I'm not going to do anything, but I will be very upset. Can we focus on what the Rangers did when Domingue got in net? Because that bothered the fuck out of me. Well, they shot a lot of pucks, but they didn't get good shots. Okay, I'm a goalie. I'm a goalie. When I'm cold, the only thing I want is shots to hit me in the chest, and and they're going to be taken. The first thing you do in warmups, people line up, they take slap shots right at your fucking chest, and that is what Adam Fox did with eight straight shots. Right in the chest, softball wrist shots from the point. At that moment, Deming is warm and he's in the game and he's focused because he's made a bunch of easy saves. A cold goalie, you have to make move. And the Rangers did not make him move. That pissed me off. That's a great point. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, the, the conventional wisdom, as you said, 
Dave, is a, is shots, 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 quantity approach, cold goalie, make him make a few saves. But, you know, you just brought it up, and Steve Valaket has said this a lot. Um, you don't want to warm a goalie up early in a game. You don't want his first four, you know, and he, he usually, when he's analyzing a game, he's, he's not talking about triple overtime in the playoffs. He's talking about a December game against the, you know, the, the, the Arizona Coyotes. Either way, you don't want to warm the goalie up and give him a bunch of easy shots from distance because that's how you get him in rhythm, get him warm, like you said. So, no, I, I agree with that point. And look, from a quantity standpoint, I mean, whatever, the, the, the Penguins had 83 shots. I think the Rangers had something like 68 or, or something like that. So, uh, you know, they, but they did. They warmed him up and they let him get comfortable. I think he had to make a couple of tough saves, but those were after, as you said, five or six very easy uh, shots, you know, from distance. And he's still an NHL goalie. So people are forgetting that. He was a starter for a couple of years. You know, he's probably a little bit better than Keith Kincaid. Mm -hmm. And that's probably right. So it's not like they're putting in, you know, a random guy from Twitter. You know, okay, you know what? I'll call out Justin. They're not putting Justin in net. Uh, Justin Rutherford is one of the uh, guy, the guys that writes for the blog. He's a goalie coach, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're they're putting an NHL goalie. He could be an e-bug one day. Yeah, he is yeah. an e-bug. He is. He's an e-bug. the e-bug in all of our hearts. Yeah, that would be great if he were the, the Ranger e-bug. Yeah, but he lives in um, Bumblefuck, so he'll never actually be an e-bug. Sorry, Justin. Yeah, we miss get you down Justin. here, man. You'd be the the garden e-bug. Um, <laughs> no, look, I, I think there are. Um, just to close up, you know, the point on the disallowed goal, you know, the, so the Rangers, you know, that goal gets taken off the board unjustly. Uh, but that came on the heels of what was probably the worst 25 minute stretch, 30 minute stretch of Rangers hockey since November. Um, the second period, and that's, this was the other point that I, I wanted to, I was wondering whether we would start here or start there. Whatever happened in the second period cannot, cannot, cannot ever happen again. They allowed 25 shots on goal. <coughs> Excuse me. Steve Valaket, who uh, was on the Michael K show on Wednesday and actually also <laughs> dropped a live S-bomb. He said, uh, I, I didn't know whether to laugh, cry, or shit my pants while, while re-watching this game. Live on the radio and on the Yes Network. Just absolute legendary moment by Steve Valaket. He's even more of a hero now to all of us. Um he said that uh, ClearSight analytics, analytics data had the Penguins down for 3.66 expected goals for in one period. That is preposterous. <laughs> that is a game. That's a bad defensive game, honestly, by the Rangers, the way they've been playing lately. And that happened in one period. So I don't want to kick it over to you guys again. What What is, first of all, what the hell happened? You know, as you're watching the game and the tide turns, what the hell happened? And how do the Rangers not allow that to happen again? Because that second period really is the reason they lost this game. I know the refs are a big factor. The disallowed goal is a real thing that, that you know, I think um, I'm happy they didn't call it out in the press or anything like that because they didn't want to come across as desperate whiny babies, you know, a la their opponent who, who would have done something like that in a similar situation. But you know, they lost this game in the second period, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, that second period was just ass. Like, you couldn't believe how bad it was. And it, it doesn't help that they called a lot of penalties on the Rangers. But also, not every... Look, some of the calls were very soft, but some of the calls were legit. And you need to play more discipline than that. So, I don't know. I wonder why they they... They didn't run out of gas. So, like, I wonder why the Rangers didn't come out as hot in the second period, what have you. But that was garbage. I mean, that was just not fun to watch. That was very, like, years past New York Ranger hockey. And I felt like I was going to vomit most of that period. But, you know, something good came of it. Like, I think I stress cleaned. So that's great. I mean... Yeah, it it was. It was very reminiscent of whatever, you know, era you want to pick or whatever coach you want to pick. Late stage AV, David Quinn years, early this year. You know, they, they I mean, 35 shot attempts, I think. You know, over the course of a game, they would have given up 70, 75 shots on goal at that pace. So an absolute travesty, frankly, defensively. 
you know, I think in contrast to the first period where the Rangers were absolutely on fire, hitting everything in sight and, excuse me, um, generally dictating play, you know, look, that was all adrenaline. The crowd at MSG was electric. The players responded to it. And, um, but you knew they couldn't sustain that. And so for me, you know, you look at playoff games and we've been through a lot of them. Obviously it's, you know, they're kind of in the deep recesses of our memories now, but we've watched, you know, what I think they played 129 or something playoff games over the course of that Henrik Lundqvist era, roughly. Um, There are always momentum swings. There's always these ridiculous 5, 10, 15 minute stretches where one team looks absolutely unstoppable, but that never lasts forever. The problem I think for the Rangers was they didn't manage that momentum swing well enough. You know, look, Pittsburgh gets the two goals in quick succession to tie the game. At that point, the Rangers have to kind of say, okay, on our next shift, we are going to have three good scoring chances. We're going to start, you know, wrestling the, the, the momentum of the game back in our favor. And they could not do that. I know it wasn't for lack of trying, but that I think was where, you know, quote unquote experience or inexperience in the case of the Rangers really reared its head. They did not know as a young team who's never played in a situation like this together before, they didn't know how to handle that push by Pittsburgh. So that push, there were there was a lot of things going on. First, systemically, the Rangers just stopped forechecking. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if this was the Penguins just upping their game. There's a theory out there that the refs changed how they were calling the game from the first period to the second period, and it impacted the Rangers, and it made them back off. I don't necessarily buy that too much. I just think it's one of those things where we're just kind of blaming things. But the Rangers, when they don't forecheck, they get players. It's weird. They they didn't forecheck, but they were still getting players trapped above the red line. The first Jake Gensel goal, if you watch the replay, there's one guy in. They run a 1-2-2 forecheck. First guy's in, but the next two forecheckers aren't on their guys. They're just there. And the Penguins are too good to allow that to happen. Two quick passes, and it's Crosby with speed through the neutral zone, backing up the defenders, and you can't back up on Sidney Crosby. You can't do it. They backed up. They focused on Crosby. Gensel got behind them because he's four foot three, And obviously he scored. When you don't forecheck, yeah, well, and this I- is what happens. And then the second piece is, the Rangers are a young team. I mean, this was the first playoff push most of these guys have ever seen. And you could tell the kids were playing tense. They were not making good decisions with the pucks. And this isn't just the kids either. I'm not picking on them. It's just, you could tell the Rangers were panicking. Instead of trying to slow the game down a little bit, circle back into the defensive zone they or with putting the puck behind the net letting the play develop they were just banking pucks off the glass lifting the puck clear that's a turnover 80 percent of the time mm-hmm. so when you combine no forecheck with turning the puck over in the neutral zone 80 percent of the time you're going to get pinned and that's how you give up 25 shots in a 20 minute period yeah and Gallant never called a fucking timeout Never called a timeout. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, after the second goal, you could argue that would have been the perfect time to call a timeout. Now, look, yeah. I know it stayed 2-2. The Rangers actually took the lead. <clears throat> Excuse me on that beautiful Zabanajad to Kreider shorthanded goal, which, you know, felt, frankly, like it was going to turn the game. I mean, I, th- I, I, I felt, and I think the arena felt like in that moment, it was the Rangers game again and that they were going to, you know, be able to kill that penalty off, sustain the momentum, but that's when the Truba call happened. So the Rangers go from uh, up 3-2 off a shorthanded goal and ready to kill a penalty with Igor Shesterkin back there having a hell of a game, even though he had given up you know two tapping goals, neither of them his fault. Um, they, they go down five on three. Pittsburgh cashes in, and it's a, it's a 3-3 game until almost midnight. So, um, yeah, I, the other thing, Dave, on that systems point, you know, you talk about you know the forecheck, right? What's your structure as, as the other team is trying to break the puck out? The other thing the Rangers did remarkably well during this last 20 games of the regular season that didn't really happen last night was back check, right? So you mentioned yeah. the defenders backing up off of Sidney Crosby. Uh, and, and, and and I think Valaket says this all the time on when he's breaking down plays. You know, defenders can only stand up at the blue line if there's a, a forward coming back hard 
to 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 either cover if they get beat or or disrupt the play right you need the pressure coming from behind the puck carrier in addition to the defenseman standing up at the blue line or or you know just inside the blue line so and i did not see a lot and and again i I don't think that that's effort i think it was more tentativeness from the rangers they just were not playing with conviction in that second period you know the thing that bothered me a little bit was everybody defaults to this whole they get too cute and they try to make the perfect play. And I didn't see that at all. I, I didn't think that, you know, it, I think that's just like filler for Larry Brooks when he's like, oh, the Rangers puck management really. And I'm like, like, they started to try to make fancy plays instead of like dumping the puck in. Like, no, that wasn't it. They, they, they were dumping the puck in. They just weren't getting there. And they weren't able to impact the game with the physical play like they had been in the first period. So it's, it's, it's classic hockey, right? And this is one of those things that always bothered you about uh, Elaine Vigneault, Becky. Pittsburgh adjusted. Pittsburgh got their asses handed to them in the first period. They got their they got their shit rocked. Every time they went to a corner, they got smacked around. So they adjusted. And I think what we want to see now from the Rangers is how do you adjust? Yep. That's exactly it. So we'll see. I mean, you know, look, Galan is not known as a tactical, you know, genius. Mike Kelly handles the systems and, you know, those sort of in-game adjustments. Sullivan is Sullivan is a is a you know considered one of the two or three best coaches in terms of tactics I think you have to say the advantage is Pittsburgh behind the bench uh, in the series but um, you know that said I think the Rangers are still okay here and and that so I want to shift our focus you know before we get to the fan questions because there's lots of good stuff there I want to shift our focus now to game two Um, Becky I, I know you've retained your confidence but why do you feel good going into game two? Because I'm delirious. <laughs> because I'm a fucking optimist when it comes to this shit. Because I don't want to go in and be like, oh, it's so hard. Now they only have a X percent chance of winning. Like, all that stuff can very well be true. I just, I have said this for literal months that the, I look at hockey and I look at sports in general as distractions and things that I enjoy doing. And I try to remember that it's something there for me to enjoy. And they also played triple overtime last night in the fucking, or I'm sorry, on Tuesday night. And I am not a person who typically blames refs. And the Rangers definitely did not play well in the second period. But all that said, they could have easily won that game last night. Uh, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. on Tuesday night. So I don't see why we're all acting like it's over. Um. And I don't even know if we're all acting like it's over. Honestly, I, I avoided say, Twitter I like the. F- yeah. I avoided Twitter like the plague, like since the end of Game One. Other than like the hilarious memes and um, a really funny clip of uh, if you're a Met fan, Steve Gelbs <laughs> on <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> just, just he's uh, if you're not a Met fan, he's like their I guess whatever baseball like sideline reporter I don't know what they're called but just kind of they they go to him for segments and what have you and he's a huge Ranger fan and the play-by-play announcer went to him and was like Steve I know how you're you're not feeling great like what's going on he's like are you with us Steve and he goes no I'm not with you <laughs> it's just like yeah. so good um you should check that out no matter what team you're a fan of because it was hilarious yeah, the SNY All, Rangers Twitter account has it, if you want to find it. It's so funny. Um, but I, I just, it wasn't like they got fucking blown out like 7 nothing. <laughs> you know? It, it was a very tight game, and that was with advan- the Pittsburgh having the advantage of having the refs on their payroll. So I, we've beaten the Penguins many times. I'm just not really all that concerned. Um, and... I say I, I said Rangers in six, which means they would have had to lose twice, right? So okay, they got one of their losses. Let's keep going. Yeah, I mean, I think from my standpoint, you know, walking out of the garden last night, I still felt really optimistic as well. And I think that the most important thing for me was my takeaway, I should say, was that for a young team full of guys playing their first actual playoff game, for a group of players collectively doing this together for the first time, which matters, that was the perfect game one. Now, maybe triple overtime's a little much, but they experienced absolutely everything, almost everything you could possibly experience in a Stanley Cup playoff run 
all in one game. It was almost like a condensed version of the Stanley Cup playoffs played out over the course of four hours or four and a half hours, however long that stupid game was. They had their huge momentum swing with the great start. They had the, the pushback by the opponent. There was physical plays. There were controversial calls. There was a goal taken off the board. Posts were hit. Guys were bleeding and hurt. It, it just, it had everything. And it was it amazing like to Stephane. experience. Well, <laughs> this club it, it, has everything. <laughs> this club has everything. Oh my God. Danny Pain. Cortez. Guys are bleeding. <laughs> Triple overtime. Overturn yeah. goal. <laughs> but, but it's true, right? And I mean... Look, for the for also as as a fan, I was just and I said this in my preview for the blog, there really is a little bit of like a I'm happy they're back. Like and I just really want to savor that they're back in the playoffs. The noise of the garden before the game, the noise when they score a goal, which, you know, the reactions of the crowd before and then during a Ryan Reeves hit. The, the way that the crowd applauds little plays, little little stick checks, little interceptions of, of passes, that's, I think, what makes the Garden unique as well, right? I just You listen to a, a building like Carolina and their bullshit fan base, I'm sorry. They're, they're, these people don't know what they're watching, and there's no appreciation for what the team is doing and, and, what, and what, the, what everybody's collectively going through. And there was definitely a sense of that at the Garden last night. Look, it's all about whether or not the Rangers learn from that experience now, and that, that is on the coaching staff. They need to point them in the right direction keep them composed and tell them, look, you lean on what got you here and we should win game two at home. And then it's one, one. And it's just like 90% of the series in the NHL, especially since the salary cap era, almost every series is one, one after two and two, two after four. So um, all in all, I'm pretty optimistic going into game two. I don't know how David, do you agree with us? So first off, you just call me David, which is weird. Second, David, um, I got to ask a question before I get into this. How was it? Hearing the crowd cheer for the icing calls. It was amazing. That, it that was, And it was funny. <laughs> it was hilarious. Amazing. I was sitting there on the couch laughing my ass off because we have no idea why those icings were waved off. And then at, for the entire first overtime, uh, Sam and Joe were commenting on the cheering for the icings and saying, hey, they finally called one. And then the crowd kept doing it for the second and third overtimes. And I think it was Joe that said, see, even the crowd knows that these icings are really important. I'm like, no, they're still mocking the refs. <laughs> yes, definitely still mocking the refs. Every icing felt like uh, a joke at that point, you know, even when they when they got the call correct. No, it was definitely all sarcastic cheering for sure. Uh, so I am confident because of two words, Igor Shesterkin. He yep. made how he made how many saves? 79. 79. Yeah. Wow. So normal, just a normal day in the office for him. <laughs> and I, I couldn't help but laugh at the Penguins beat writer that said, oh, the Penguins solved Shesterkin in game one. No, you didn't. You needed two <laughs> games to score four goals. Yeah. Yep. His save percentage was still like 940 in that game. It, it was 951. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's 951. You solved Shesterkin. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Um, but also That's lazy writing. It's, it's That's lazy, as shit. lazy writing. But also that second period was as bad as it's going to get. It's only going to get better from there. The Rangers know what they did. They have enough leadership and play of experience to know what they did. And they know they're not going to do it again. Which means in theory, the Rangers are not going to have that kind of a period again. And if they don't have that second period, they win game one. During the regular season, yeah. the Rangers, I think, got crushed by the Penguins, at least from an even strength standpoint, and then won three in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. that's true. That's very true. Yeah, the, I was going to say maybe the only piece of experience they didn't get on Tuesday night was was being down in the game, right? And this is, you want to talk about shades of 2014. You know, the Rangers were down 0-2 in that series and never trailed because they lost both games in overtime and they, and they, they had the lead throughout or the, the games were either ranger leads or tied games the whole time those whole first two games and last night was similar to that too they never trailed until the game in the game until it ended when malkin scored so i'm interested to see how they handle going down eventually you're going to go down you're going to give up the first goal or you're going to be down two to one or whatever it may be but no I, I agree with you dave especially i mean like igor is just it's incredible and, and that was just his first playoff game so we know there's more where that came from. Uh, all right, Becky, I think let's let's get into these fan questions. I know a lot came in and um, always really excited to uh, to hear from from the group. 
Okay. So we got um, a couple of questions. Two of them are pretty similar, so I'll kind of meld them together. Immortal Lou, our buddy Lou, NYR Shot Club was off the chains last night. Off the chains. I can't believe I just said that. Um, okay, and boomer. I heard Lou was on the Jumbotron, so that's really fun. Um, he asked, and don't answer the question right away because there's two similar. He asked, what adjustments would you make, if any, to the lineup or line combinations for game two? And Kevin Spazo211, who still did not correct how I say his name, also asks, do you make any changes to the lineup? Will Gallant try to and get Braun and Hunt in there? So, what do you guys think? Game two, focusing game two only. I don't think the forwards change up yet. Um, yeah. Ryan Lindgren's status plays into all this. So I, I mean, don't. Last I heard, they said that he was going to play. Like he was, he quote should be in there. So okay. you know, maybe <laughs> something's different by the time this pod drops, which would be just so unusual. I know. But. Uh, if Ryan Lindgren is healthy, I can see Braun getting in for Nemeth. But Nemeth, you know, he took a couple of penalties, but he was also laying the body out. So he was throwing hip checks left and right in the first period. He was. I, I don't I think was so Nemeth was overly terrible aside from the two penalties. But, you know, the screw the Rangers button, I'm going to quote Boomer in here. He's taking two penalties, whatever. How do the Rangers only get one power play the entire game? So I don't know if that's uh, me focusing on Nemeth or just focusing on the refs. I don't, I don't know. But I don't think there are any lineup changes, long story short. Yeah, I'm going to agree, unless it's injury-related. I would save Dryden Hunt for Game 3, win or lose. And I know that that's uncommon in the NHL, but the effect that Ryan Reeves has on a game is amplified at home. And he was also not bad last night from an on ice standpoint. I mean, he only played 17 minutes, which is a, a you know a pretty low total. The Rangers obviously rode their top six. Uh, they could have played the kid line more, I think. You want to talk about adjustments? I would play the third line a heck of a lot more often. Get them some more uh, offensive zone starts because they were very good. That I mean, Kako looks and Lafreniere to be fair, they both look like playoff type players. Just their style meshes well with the demands of the game. Heedle should have had the game-winning goal and was involved all night, carries the puck well, you know, does not. He's not a guy, Dave, under pressure that's going to dump it out or turn it over uh, normally. I, I think he did, you know, uh, he did lose the puck on the uh, final play of the game, but that was a mess, a team-wide mess, and, you know, it's the, it's the fifth, sixth hour oh, of the game, man, so that, I don't want to hold yeah. it against him. Once you um, saw Heedle kind of drift up too far, you're like, ah, oh, crap, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. But no, in terms of, I would leave the lineup alone for game two. And, and I would leave Reeves in there because he, like I said, the, that physical play had an effect on, on the game and on the Rangers. And I think, you know, he, he, he and the rest of the fourth line more than held their own. So I see no problems with that. I do think they need to be a little bit more cognizant of the matchup, specifically with Crosby. I mean, the Crosby line just absolutely ran roughshod over the Rangers on Tuesday night. That can't happen again. So that those are the types of adjustments I want to see. You know, how you're deploying the lines. Get that third line out there more often in the offensive zone if you can and against Pittsburgh, any of Pittsburgh's bottom three lines. Because right now, I mean, at least in game one, they were a one-line team. I know Malkin got the winner, but it, that line was not effective otherwise the rest of the night. So, uh, no, but 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 from a, from a personnel standpoint, I'm keeping it the same for game two. I agree, actually. And I'm just looking at kind of individual – Charts right now, and man, the Rangers did not play not play a great one last night. <laughs> no, I mean they're not going to get flattered by those numbers, but again, yeah. it's so skewed by that second period. I, you know, I know, I, mean, the I rest, know. The, the, yeah, the rest of the game was was pretty even. The overtimes were even. I, I, I mean, you know, it's it's not like Pittsburgh was in in their end for eighty percent of the. The of Rangers the actually, it, it looks like the Rangers actually dominated the first overtime. If we're looking strictly at numbers, which like whatever. But I think this, like, fun, a fun status, individual high danger chances for him. Like, oh, this is fun. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, getting getting away from myself. I agree with what you guys are both saying. And I do think that Ryan Reeves is an important factor, um, at least for game two. If we're going to make changes, maybe it's game three. And I, I know, like, win or lose, it would be weird to make a change. In, or if they win, it would be weird to make a change in game three. But you're on the road. I don't know. We'll see. But I would not make any changes now. I also don't necessarily think, like, throwing Braun or Hunt there is really going to be, like, 
well, you solved it. Now we're all good right. to go, you know? Yeah, does it really No disrespect move the to those guys. Right. No disrespect to them. They're just... They're just staff. So... After all the um, fan okay. questions, I just came across something on Twitter from Howie Rose that I want to ask after the fan questions are done. Well, there's actually not too, too many. So, um, like, for example, Nick, Brooklyn Joker 90 asks, why was I so excited to subject myself to the torture that is Rangers playoff hockey? <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome? I don't know. Like, it's a kind of a phenomenon. I uh, mean, uh, I don't have an answer. <laughs> It's yeah. you know sports is it's it's an addiction. We know it's not healthy generally. Yeah, it is um, an addiction. But it's fun. But it's also fun, right? I mean, look, everybody today it creates community. It creates you're talking about this with people the next day. It, it means something, you know. Like like you say, Becky, it's for fun. It's escapism, but it also has meaning, and you know, it 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 is something that brings people together. And you know, I think look, Nick is like us. He loves getting on a pot getting behind a mic and talking about the team and writing about the team and this is the pinnacle of being a hockey fan is your team is in the playoffs with a chance to win win the stanley cup so that's why we're back nick and and i hate to tell you this you're never going to quit it if you haven't quit it by now you're not quitting it so just give into it and enjoy it yep all right uh jessica lynn 312 asked two questions one most important is sophie ready to be my emotional support animal yes (laughs) she is that is our um, cat for those who don't know that is our cat who breaks stuff routinely while we're doing the podcast um those are my favorite actually, parts of the podcast by the way when you guys have to stop because <laughs> sophie knocks something off of a ledge or whatever yeah some oh, yeah. ceramic thing goes crashing to the ground in the background yeah it's great so yeah we didn't need that invaluable piece thank you um but sophie was adopted in in april um 2013 2014 god so she came into my home for that great run. So, you know, maybe she's a good luck charm. I think and she then is. Just as for my real question for Rob, was there atmosphere at MSG? Was the atmosphere at MSG what you expected it to be after not being in the playoffs for five years? Yeah, it was. So, um, you know, those of us who've been fortunate to go to playoff games, I think we have memories and, you know, now we can go back and watch almost every single game on, on YouTube. They're all on there in some way, shape or form. And but 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 obviously there's nothing like being there in the moment. And yeah, I mean, listen, it was clearly a crowd of people that cared deeply about the team that had not watched a playoff game live in a very long time. And it was loud. It was, um, you know, it was not that nervous. You know, sometimes you go to these games and people are very, very nervous and that, that tension is palpable. You know, there weren't very many nerves. Obviously, it's game one. Uh, the first period was was tremendous. And, you know, I, I credit the team and the fans for for being so on point in the first period. Again, you know, like you like you mentioned, Dave, I mean, later in the game, the crowd was dialed in with the sarcastic cheers of the icing calls. But I mean, again, I think I said it earlier, but, you know, every time Ryan Reeves was skating into the corner, ready to put the hurt on John Marino or whoever the hell else was unfortunate enough to be chasing a puck into, into the corner the crowd was essentially uh doing the thing like people do on a roller coaster right before right as they go down like a big drop um and then they were like exploding when he when he uh actually made the hit and you know it, obviously they were uh, you know reacting to some of the great scoring chances you know huge pop and celebration on the adam fox goal but it was it was an amazing atmosphere and again you know Look, I know that the the tickets are very expensive, especially on the secondary market. You know, if you're a season ticket holder like us, you at least get the chance to get them for face value. Although, as if they get deeper in the playoffs, that becomes very expensive very quick. Um, but you know, it still is a great. It's still probably I've watched most, or at least parts of most, of the playoff games around the league now. As we're we're on the third day of the playoffs. I mean, I think that's the best building. And obviously I'm biased as a Ranger fan, but the combination of noise, knowledge of the crowd, you know, straight up passion um, and just, you know, the and the building itself, the energy that the building itself creates, um, make it special. So to answer Jess's question, yes, it, it lived up to, I'd say it exceeded expectations. It was, it was pretty fun. That's great. All right. And last question comes from Hockey Stat Miner, who... Ooh, Hello, welcome, welcome, wow. welcome. Look at that. But welcome I, to the questions. I think this is 
I think this is actually like a legitimate homework question and I don't have an answer, so whatever. How many second periods of the season were actually worse than game one period two lost uh, on Tuesday night? I don't think any, but I'm guessing probably some. I don't know. Who's to say, really? Wait, so how many periods were worse than the second period last night? Uh, how many two- second periods this season were actually worse than the game one period two last night? I can't imagine there were many. Uh, that sounds like a question he would know more than we would know. Um I'm sure he has the answer, and he's just kind of needling us. But I'd have to say that was the worst second period, but I have absolutely no research behind that. Maybe it just felt worse because it was just so obvious. Maybe, you know, the Calgary game when they got when they lost like 103-1. to Oh, yeah, that was a bad game. That was pretty bad. And you know what? I mean, this is anecdotal again. I'm with you, Dave. I don't have any uh, research prepared here. But early in the year the second periods were really bad. They were, cause they were disorganized. They were, you know, still learning the system, blah, 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 blah. That's the period of the long change. They got caught and it happened a lot on Tuesday night. Of course you get caught on long shifts. You get hemmed in the, in the defensive zone. So th- there were, I think quite a few bad second periods. The irony of course, is that uh, they scored two goals in the second period. So now I know, you know, goal scoring is not always indicative of, uh, of, 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 sustained success but Andrew Kopp three minutes into the period great goal off of a feed from Strom and until that point the Rangers had dominated I mean that was again that was three minutes into the period so Pittsburgh didn't even really begin their push until about a minute or two after that um and then they get the shorthanded goal an amazing play between Kreider and Zibanejad so um yeah it was bad but they also scored two goals and got to the third period 3-3 in a playoff game and I mean what more can you ask for so I'm sure the numbers, you know, will tell us uh, which one was actually the worst. But no, certainly uh, not not the Rangers' best. And I think, as you said, Dave, if they're going to win this series, they cannot sink to that level again. Okay. All right. So, All right, so wait. So you, Dave, you said you had one more thing from uh, from Howie Rose on yep. Twitter. So Howie Rose posted this. Um, this was actually today at 10:37 a.m. I don't. So today being when we're recording, Wednesday, 10.37 a.m. I don't know how I didn't see this until now, but just a question. You're a Ranger fan at the Garden for the Tuesday night game one loss. The Rangers lose in excruciating fashion. The second the Malkin winning goal was scored, they started blaring some mindless, loud music, which didn't exactly fit the occasion. Can't the fans just suffer in silence? That's definitely that bad song that plays, that freaking song that plays from Alfie. So there is a song, yeah, and this is really deep. This is deep cut New York sports fan stuff. So we're going really into the, you know, you got to be a real sports nerd uh, to, to even know this. But this song, it's called New York Hustle. It's a Mick Jagger solo song. It's from a 90s film I think or an early 2000s film Becky when did Alfie come out Jude Law's in it I know I think that. 90s probably yeah so the song is called New York Hustle it has a it terrible sucks. harmonica line uh, <laughs> that kind of it's that starts it and a really cheesy drum beat and they play it after every single loss at the Garden not just the Rangers but also the Knicks so if you're a fan of both teams like I am You've experienced quite a few losses, particularly on the Knicks side over the last 20 years. <laughs> that song is just a horrible, haunting, cringy, uh, like every weird, bad adjective you can throw at it. Um, I think that's the song Howie is referring to. Uh, yeah, I think because they don't they didn't play anything else or uh, to my knowledge. I think there was basically five. I think there was five seconds of silence or so, to be fair, because you could hear the Penguins players celebrating. The garden was so quiet after the goal went in um but yeah that's the song it's it's pretty obnoxious uh i'd prefer a little bit of somber organ music if to accompany my walk out the garden but unfortunately that's not what we get so you were going into the dregs of the new york sports music this stopped for some reason but at yankee games when the yankees would win they'd play frank sinatra's new york new york and when mm-hmm. they lose, they play the Liza Minnelli cover. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then they stop doing that. But I, they I, stopped right. doing. I, I think Liza Minnelli complained, and they stopped doing it. But I'd rather suffer in silence. 
<laughs> I just I, all I could think about when you were talking about the songs they play after losses. I all I thought about was uh, Liza Minnelli. Yep. No, and I agree. I mean, I think I want to suffer in silence. How about you, Becky? You say that, but silence is deafening. Wow. Uh, Profound. Becky, do you have to Maybe re- do you not- happen to remember what they did after the end of the Can You Hear Us game? Because I kind of blacked that out. No, I just remember you weeping like a child. I was not crying, I, although I was the last person to get thrown out of the garden. Because I like, mean, Yo, dude, honestly, you gotta leave. whom... Whomst among us can prove that you, whether you were crying or not, me and you, and who has more to lose here, you. So. I was not crying. You guys did folks. sit there for like forty-five minutes, right? We I sat like, there for a while, <laughs> and I lived. I lived in the city, so it's not even like it was like a difficult commute for me. And I was like, dude, like I really like. And he was just like, I have to sit here. And then the usher was like, dude, you have to get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the last one was in the garden. Time. It was a good time. Yeah. This luck. wasn't nearly as bad as the I'll Can You Hear Us game. This. What was that? This wasn't nearly as bad as the Can You Hear Us game. No, 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 no. No. And I'll leave you with this, honestly. Uh, we're coming now down to a point where the Rangers are due to win a playoff game. You know, if you think back to 2017, that last series against Ottawa, they lost all their home games in that series. Because that was... Oh, no, I'm sorry. They won the first two, but then Ottawa beat them. Or, so they lost game six against Ottawa. Uh, they then lost their three bubble games. Um, so look, of their last four postseason games spread out over the last five years, it's been a while since we've seen a win. I think they're due. I think we all are, are remaining confident. And, you know, this is a good team that has shown the ability to bounce back all year. So why not here on uh, on Thursday night at MSG with another raucous crowd in the house? Um, any final thoughts from you guys? Let's fucking go, man. Game two, fresh start. Let's go. Nothing we did in game one matters. You just got to win four of six. One game at a time. It starts with one. Yeah, I think that's a Linkin Park lyric. It does. It starts with one is definitely a Linkin Park lyric. Uh, that was not planned. That was not planned. <laughs> but pretty good, all, all things considered. Uh, we will be back as usual next week. We also may do some Twitter spaces. Um we are going to see how the series pans out. Obviously, these shows have come out on Wednesday or or Thursday throughout the year. So we'll keep you all posted. You know, check out the Twitter feed at Blue Seats Live. Send us more questions, comments, hot takes. I'd love to see some more takes, by the way. Like, just we, they don't necessarily need to be questions, uh, although we love questions. We love answering them. But, like, if you guys just want to vent, if you guys just, just want, want to throw shit at us to share on the show, we're happy to do that as well. So um, we'll keep you posted on, on next week's episode. But... You know, in the meantime, enjoy game two. Let's go Rangers.